Oh, this is new. We get a countdown. We're, we're out here trying new things over here, but I like it. Hey, it's Wednesday, May 3rd. Thank you for tuning in to another week of the podcast that gives you the most honest viewpoints. I'm honest. I don't know about Sam. On the week's hottest sports topics, this is episode 96 of the Chasing Points podcast uh, with your host, Sam, the Beard Favada, and myself, Brandon, just Brandon. The beard is the beard has a mind of its own, so I just want to give it a space. Sam, how are you? <laughs> that was a uh, intro for the ages there. You know, I'm What's just up, here. Man? You know, uh, living, loving life, uh, taking it for what it is. You know, just happy just out May. here, good sir. Yeah, happy May. We're in it. It's here, it's gonna be May. May the fourth be with you. You know, you get it the day after you get this pod. It's great times. Great times. All the made up stuff is Cinco here. Cinco de Mayo, uh, well, Kentucky I, Derby. Spring is here, my friend. Shout out to my 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 brown brothers and sisters uh, to celebrate your independence. On uh, May 5th, I always celebrate with y'all as we are brothers and sisters of, in arms. And uh, I will definitely be uh, be partaking in the festivities, needless to say. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like it. Uh, actually, one of my favorite cultures, period. So uh, outside of obviously my own culture, but definitely one of my favorite cultures. Um, Sam. Brandon. We have playoff basketball today. And it continues as we go. We have the NFL draft that we definitely can talk about. Uh, the only thing we need to say for baseball, uh, as you guys haven't noticed, we haven't talked about baseball, is because Sam and I have been crying like little uh, punks uh, because our Yankees suck. Uh, and that is, we could do a podcast on that alone. Uh, but then we also have UFC which I absolutely love uh, big, big card uh, more. So big main event this weekend. And uh, we have, do you care with a little, uh, little uh, animal involvement? Um, not the to be ponies. creepy anyway. Uh, so let's, let's jump right into the playoffs, Sam. So we had a conclusion of the first round. The last game of the first round was the Warriors Kings game seven and it went out with a bang from the one, the only greatest shooter of all time, Stephen Curry. Um, or, or as we should respectfully call him, Chef Curry. Uh, he dropped 50 points. And this is, he's the only, it was only KD had the most in a game seven. So this was, he did this in with his former team, that being the, Warriors as well. Uh, but this is after Steph. Apparently, he couldn't sleep the night before. Was texting Draymond, uh, saying all these things. And then he told the team, uh, essentially, like, if you're not ready, you're not bringing all this energy, don't even come to the game. Uh, I, I need y'all to be ready type thing. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing here. So it was a very passionate speech. To me, Sam, it's pretty funny that he did this passionate speech because it seemed like he was the only one that showed up because he dropped yeah. 50 points. Uh, I think... That. The speech actually worked for him. Um, it didn't work for anybody else. Uh, outside for uh, Kevon Looney, who I have to give uh, much respect to. I mean, this man damn near averaged 20 rebounds in the first series. Uh, he's been he's been the unsung hero outside of Draymond as well, too. You see the energy that he brought back when he came uh, after being suspended and whatnot for a game. Uh, but Steph is Steph. 
I need Clay to step up. But I also want to say shout out to the Kings uh, for such a long drought. And you had you've had for a while a star in De'Aaron Fox. Uh, they finally got to show him off and showcase him. Uh, he has the third most points in in his first playoff series out of any player, and I think it's Braun above him, and there's one other player above him, um, which says a whole lot for the other. The, I forgot the other name, but it was definitely basketball royalty. Um, so I just wanted to see what you thought of the Warriors King series in totality. Uh, Steph's performance. Just what did you think of it? Um, well, Steph is l- one of the greatest of all time at just a shooter, just overall, pl- you know, player. I think he gets pigeonholed sometimes into this. He's a shooter, but you can kind of just see he clearly does more than just shoot three pointers. Um, just his handle, the way he can attack the rim and just what he makes, how he makes the, his the opposing team adjust to him. And, mm-hmm. you know, usually would free up space for everyone else. But as you mentioned, not much happened from uh, from Clay and, and company there. I've always loved Kevon Looney, by the way, just sidebar. Um, I'm, I'm glad he, uh, you know, he always seems to find a way to, to do the dirty work in, in some of these games. Uh, but, I mean, Steph's just, Steph's a, a legend. This was a big game, but kudos to the Kings. No one, no one thought they would be in this position when the season started. And they have a hell of a coach. They have some, you know, some good pieces around De'Aaron Fox and and Sabonis. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a good, it was a good run. And anyone that would utter that the season's a failure for the third, the three seed to be knocked out. Were they three or two? Regardless for them to be knocked out this early, you know, um, by a, a dynasty team like the Warriors, you're you're being foolish. That's it's just stop. Um, so that was a you know it was a great game. I think it was in the most watched uh, first round NBA playoff game ever. The, That's got to be the first. The it's got to be the most watched series in this and all of the series thus far. Yeah, yeah. It was it was no. This is what it was. I think it was like in the last twenty four years. It was the mm-hmm. number one rated game seven or playoff round one game like that's that's nuts man um and it's it's the kings and the warriors you know but it just kind of shows you like people get up for good basketball and absolutely you know this series you could say what you want a lot of people you know i didn't give it too much attention i didn't i I said on this podcast didn't give the kings too much credit but they took the warriors and even though they're not playing the same level they did last year i still have concerns about their depth behind you know their their line their starting lineup there um but these kings took the warriors to game seven and the warriors won at home or uh on the road and the kings lost at home i mean it's uh they've been there a ton of times um just and the kings held their own so yeah just uh it was a fun series to watch and definitely surprised me it it's pretty funny to me because the warriors were terrible on the road throughout the whole year Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, they won in a game seven. But it's to your point. They are they've been here before. It it doesn't they don't shy away from these moments. They've been through the worst of the worst and they're able to pull it out because they know they have that championship mentality. They've been there before in the hardest of hardest games, period. Uh, And I just also love the the show of respect that they have for one another at the end of the, the game. 
Draymond went on to say because Sabonis, I guess, actually left and didn't uh, shake any hands and just walked off. Yeah, Uh, which I I never like that. I don't care how much you lose by or whatever the case. I'm just going to dap it up with you, and then I'll take out all my frustration elsewhere. Um, But I'll just dap it up because if I win – you know you're gonna to want to dap it up if you win. So it's it's I just I don't like the double standard with people in times, but kind of is what it is. But speaking of double standards, uh somebody that had a double standard throughout the whole series against the Lakers uh would be Mr. Dylan Brooks. Uh the Grizz lost, by the way, to the to the Lakers after Jaws said he's good in the West, after Dylan Brooks said uh he doesn't he doesn't nobody fears him. He doesn't fear anybody that doesn't put 40 on him. Funny thing is the Lakers beat the Grizzly by 40 in the last game. So he got his 40. Uh by the way. LeBron's uh, almost 40 and took him, yeah, took yeah, him to school mm-hmm. too. Just Don't poke the bear. Uh LeBron had some very, very infamous quotes after the win. Uh, essentially saying, Don't poke the bear. And then he had lyrics that you know were clearly aimed to Dylan Brooks, uh, which was it was just a know your role and shut your mouth moment that's what it was uh but more interesting when sam and i are recording this which would be a tuesday uh there was news that has dropped on on this day that the grizzlies have come out and said they let dylan brooks know they weren't bringing him back and i quote under any circumstances now and this is from Sham, so it's as good as gold. Yes. It's lock. It's a lock, yeah. My my thing is you they didn't need to say under any circumstances. That, that's what and that's All what right. I told you this morning. I'm like, yeah. they didn't need to say that part. They, but they, they did. didn't. They didn't. But I think there has to be something like teams are very calculated, right? And they do things for certain reasons. And if they're saying under any circumstances, he must have rubbed people the wrong way inside of the organization, too. This is me speculating. I have no evidence on that. But for a, a calculated NBA team's PR to put out something like this or get reports and allow this to come out, the term under any circumstances, they must have been perfectly fine with their decision on that. And he must have rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But I feel this is a, a great move for the Grizzlies. Dylan Brooks is going to land on his feet. Some team is going to pick him up. He he's going to and he he's if he doesn't change his ways though, he'll be playing in Shanghai in the next two to three years. I'll tell you that much. But I think this is a big move for the Grizzlies because they're starting to get some of the flawed characters out of there, and they need to get more veteran presence in there. That is like, hey, all that BS that you guys are doing on the court and talking all that, none of that matters unless we win. Yeah, you mentioned it losing Stephen Adams, yes. too, who was kind of the adult in the room. Um, you know, looks like it could have played a played a role in in some of this too. I think you know you could look at it as scapegoating in a way. Like, okay, this guy's caused some problems in you know in the media and and with other teams and whatnot. We're he's a free agent. We're just not. You know, I don't know if he's restricted or not, but we're he's not coming back. So. Um, you know, this is a, a good, young, talented team. I just wonder if how much, and we're not in the room, as you just mentioned too, but how much of, of his presence, at least the public persona that we see has influenced this team. 
you know, and Josh certainly has had his struggles and this team has underachieved. And as you mentioned, um, you know, uh, just they, they run their mouth way too much and they, they don't back it up. Um, I wonder how much, and, and again, it's just conjecture, but how much of that would stem from a player like this, a guy, I think he plays a little too much of guy you hate, but would love to have on your team. Like, but overboard in a way, you know, it's, it's a little too much for me. He, he doesn't have uh, too much skin in the game to, to be able to get to that uh, criteria, like, like a, a Draymond, which everybody compares him to. And he has a type and shout out to my buddy, George, because we had a really good conversation. Cause I said, you know, he, his player comp is Draymond. And he said, I don't think so. He said, because Draymond is more, he is the actual real point guard of the Warriors. He's the one that everything, he sets up things. He's the passer. He's the heart of the team. He said, that's not Dylan Brooks at all. And I, when he said it that way to me, and I said, you're right, that's not a good player comp. It's just, I think the only comparison you can make is the agitator, right? Uh, that, yeah. that's, that's where their comp kind of ends. Uh, and and Dylan has this with he can he has the defense right he can play better defense uh, but if his offensive game which is what he was also known for in college is his offensive game uh, if that elevates in the NBA and he finds that in the NBA he could be a very viable player uh, for the right team um, because it's he needs to fit into a certain team what team that is. I have no damn clue, Sam, um, <laughs> but I guess we'll just find out what team uh, it is. But uh, it, it, with that being said, as the Lakers advance and we're going to now get into round two and we might as well just start right there and then we'll get to, to Sam's team and then we'll get to another team out there in the West. Um, yes, yeah, Sam, I'll make sure I'm highlighting your team. Uh, the Golden State Warriors playing the Lakers. Uh, when you hear this, it will, you will already have the results of this, but they are playing Tuesday night, uh, 10 p.m. Uh, on TNT. Uh, game two is May 4th, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And then game three is May 6th, uh, 8.30 Eastern time on ABC. Okay, so this is a rematch of the Akron kids. This might be the last time we get to see Steph and LeBron play each other in the playoffs. Might be, depending on what happens to the teams, how the teams bow after this. Uh, I, I feel like if the Lakers don't make a deep run, they might try to blow up stuff, might blow up this team. Uh, and this might be the last that we see the Warriors, as we know. Draymond wants to get paid. Uh, Clay wants to get paid. Poole wants to get paid. <laughs> so the, the Warriors may be a completely may have a completely different look next year because they're not going to be able to play, pay all those players. It's just not going to happen. Uh, but with that being said, let's stay into this series. Yeah. They've been riding that luxury luxury tax for way too long. They, they sure have. They sure have. But I mean, it's, it, it only happens after a while and it's gonna, yeah. um, Steph Braun, they have a crazy history, uh, head to head. Steph has the advantage over the Braun. I think he's won 15. He's 15 and seven against the Braun in the playoffs. Uh, which is pretty interesting in itself. Uh, they also won more because they went and got KD because they knew they were going to beat LeBron. So they went and got KD and added that to an already championship team. So with all that being said, Sam, 
who do you have winning this series? Dude, this is so tough. And it, like we're so lucky to even be able to see it. Like it's just really cool. And I'm I'm I've been prepping for the podcast, seeing all these stats, and a lot of them are like Steph's the first or second person over the age of 35. And it's like, wow, he's 35 already. You know? Um but I I, I think the Lakers are a deeper team. The depth of the Warriors or or lack thereof kind of came, you know, they were they were bailed out by Steph's play. You mentioned Looney just being a, a freak on the boards there. Um, but you know, not much from Clay, Wiggins, Jordan Poole. I think the Warriors have a better team, better starting lineup, but I don't know. It's just I. I can't. I don't have an answer. I'm. I'm trying not to hedge here. I could see it going either ways. I'm just really excited for real. Like I'm really excited for this series. What do you think? I don't know. Sway me. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna combat you with they have the better starting lineup because outside of Steph, Clay has been since his injury. Uh, he's been hit or miss. Since yeah. he's returned last streaky year, streaky does not. He's it. super, super streaky, and Clay has never been that super, super streaky guy. Like Clay has been super reliable, and now you don't know what you're getting from him. Draymond, you know what you're going to get from him on the defensive end. Uh, offensively, doesn't really bring much to the table. Also streaky uh, is Jordan Poole. He's been very, very streaky this year. Uh, I don't like it at all how streaky he's been. Wiggins. Wiggins is since he's come back, he's been streaky as well. I'm sure his head is not all here, well, um, and that's so completely understandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah that too. Yeah, that right too. To the playoffs, Looney is there to be a a a bigger body, but in the West, he's not considered a big body, <laughs> and he's going against somebody that is an extremely big body, which is plain clothes, AD, Mister Unibrow. Um, so that's. That's their roster. But then I look at the Lakers and I see LeBron, who can do whatever he wants to do at any night. You have AD, who is also streaky, but just his presence alone makes you adjust your gameplay. And his height alone, like I just said, there's the Warriors are a small team. And you're going against an AD that can give you buckets from any angle, any spot on the floor. So you just those two alone, I feel that they have the advantage. But then you have the way that D'Lo has been playing. D'Angelo Russell, for those that don't know D'Lo, ice in his veins. You have him, the way he's been absolutely playing. You have Mr. Reeves, who's been playing out of his mind. Rui Hashimura, who's been playing out of his mind in the first series. Uh, I forgot the, the young man that was going off in um, the last game. But he was super active on the boards. I forgot his name. It's Blum. It's, it's I, I will look it up. But I just feel all in all that they have what they did. Malik Beasley coming off the bench too. What their roster, in my opinion, is better. And the move, like I, I will keep going back to the conversation that we had, Sam, when they made those trades, and at one point when we didn't think that anything was going to happen, uh, the Lakers got so much better before the trade deadline and if they didn't make those moves sam it this wouldn't i this would not even be a conversation at this point in time to me um so i'm very very 
I'm on board with the Lakers, but I I can't doubt the Warriors. I don't. I don't. And and yeah, it's, I feel like you just circled around, and, and you're exactly where I am now because can't, I, can't. I think the Lakers are a deeper team. I'm never going to count LeBron out, but it, you know the Lakers kind of go with what we've been saying. Not only this season, but last season too. What kind of AD are we going to get? Are we well, going to get a healthy AD? Check. Let, let are me we interject. Get a engaged I think, AD. I think the way that the Lakers can win this series is if they slow it down, Sam, because they ran all first series against the Grizzlies. They can't keep running with the lake uh, with the Warriors. That's not going to work for them. Their game is slowing it down. If they play at the Warriors' pace, they're going to lose. That's but if they control the ball and they slow this down, the Lakers have a extremely valid chance to win. The young man that I was talking about is Jared Vanderbilt, who's been playing out his mind. Um, so I, I enjoy that very, very much so. But I, I think that's the that's the way that the Lakers can win this. If they play the game at their pace and they do not try to speed up, because that's the problem with a lot of teams, is they try to – the Warriors have historically, with this dynasty – have been able to outshoot people with Clay, with the Splash Brothers, right? Teams try to then compete by shooting with them. You're not going to win that battle when you're shooting with a master archer. <laughs> this is not going to happen. So just just don't do that. If you're just a person coming off the street and trying to do it, it's, it's that comparison. So if they play their game, the Lakers absolutely have a chance. And the way they can play their game is don't be stupid. What did we see last year? When the Celtics played, and what? Warriors. How did have this? Yeah. How happened? The Warriors. Yeah, yes. you're saying the same what, thing. I, the, yeah, what did the Celtics do? The Celtics were a bigger team. Yeah, and they played to the Warriors' strength instead of playing to their strength, which is Tatum posting up, Jalen Brown posting up, Al Horford, so on and so forth. You have LeBron that can play on the post. You got AD that you can drop it down to. Play off, play through AD. Drop AD down on the block, pass the ball into him, play off of him, move off of AD. You play that way, you win. But once you start trying to play, let's, let's shoot with the shooters – uh-uh. <laughs> ain't going to win. So that's circle back. It comes down to what kind of AD are we going to get? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, this, this series, I, this series lives and dies on him. And I, I knew the Grizzlies had no shot, <laughs> no shot. And they got obliterated. Right. But, um, this is certainly not the, the Grizzlies. I, I think momentum has a lot to do with this too. I mean, the, the Warriors, they put on a little bit near the end. They they jumped up the standings a little bit. But the, this Lakers team, remember, LeBron sat there, was it after the All-Star game, right? And he was just like, these are the most important 25 games of my career, or whatever he said. I'm paraphrasing there. And, you know, we kind of looked at it. Okay, maybe you're being just a little overzealous here. But, dude, momentum, man, he... he he got everyone on board here. I I like this Lakers team. I you know we love these moves at the deadline, and uh, check the tape. But yeah, I I'll pick the Lakers, but I will hedge here. This this Warriors team is, you know, they're in this position for a reason. They have this legacy for a reason, 
and you know I, it would require everyone else to get up for this game and i'm just not sure if that will happen i mean what happened to jordan Poole? i'm just looking at like the stats from the last couple games in the series it's just like where you where you been dude eight eight points last game seven the game before 10 he had 22 and what was that game five mm-hmm. i think this is game a better four. matchup for pool yeah. yeah. i think it's definitely a better matchup for all of the warriors in this one uh but this is why i'm 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 going with the warriors uh because i don't know what ad do we get actually you know what Um, I'll take the Lakers. I I'm taking the Lakers too. I I went Warriors. I wrote Warriors. I'm taking the Lakers because just something in my heart of hearts just feels like they they have an extra chip on their shoulder, and you can thank the Grizz for that too. Uh, but I I mean I will say just like Sam just gave us a hedge. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if. The Warriors pulled it off. Look, but. man, we're we've been watching sports, you know, together separately for over thirty years. Like nothing surprises us anymore. When yeah. that and that's why, and that's a disclaimer with hedging the bet here, you know. But this, you know, it's it's why we watch because the impossible can happen. But this, that being said, none of this is impossible for either mm-hmm. of these teams to win. It's not impossible for either of these teams to win the whole damn thing either. Well, that's that's pretty funny you say that because. uh any team could win in any given day, and uh, the Heat won Game One against your Knicks, uh, uh, which a lot of people did not think would happen. Uh, but Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butlered, uh, and he is Hemi Butler, as I have mentioned before, and I will continue to call him that. Uh, Jimmy absolutely went off until he was injured uh, on a drive to the basket. Uh, with Josh Hart, it was just a basketball play. It was nothing malicious. You can clearly see that. Um, but what I found weird in that game one, because we're now at game two uh, tonight when we're recording this will be game two. Uh, but they they let Jimmy stay on the court. And the Knicks and Thibodeau did not adjust to that, knowing clear as day that Jimmy was not running up and down the court. And you essentially had five on four. And I felt like that was a, a, they dropped the ball uh, in this situation, pun intended. They dropped the ball here because I would have ran the ball. I would have ran doubles at whoever had the ball because you know, Jimmy was not there. Jimmy shot a one shot since the injury wide open and airballed it, airballed it. And he even mentioned it after he was like, yeah, you know, like, it injury sucks. Like it is what it is. He was like, I, you know, I, I, I missed there. I airballed it, but kind of is what it is. That that was a mistake on the Knicks' behalf. Now we're going into game two. With, uh, by the way, the the Heat won one hundred eight to one hundred one. But we're going into game two with Jimmy being up in the air, but also Jalen Brunson being up in the air for the Knicks, and Julius Randle being up in the air. For the Knicks now, Brunson is a bigger impact for me for sure because he is easily the heart and soul of that damn team. Uh, Randall has been hurt and battling injury, uh, but he is a vital part to them when when he is there. So that game two is tonight, and you guys will have the results by the time this comes out. 
I feel that the Knicks are going to pull this out if Jalen Brunson is playing. I will make that very, very clear. If he's not playing, the Heat can pull this one out. Game three is Saturday in Miami, May 6th, 3.30 Eastern on ABC. So the Heat have or have the lead in the series, 1-0. Sam, this is your team. Do you have your team winning the series against the Heat? I was thinking the same exact thing when Jimmy went down. It was You don't want to see – I mean, I know I'm a Knicks fan, but you don't want to see anyone get hurt, and especially the way he's played in the last series and was playing up to the, the point that he got hurt to. Um, and I thought, okay. Here, here it is. You know, they were playing well. They had a, a sizable lead, you know, for all things considered. And then it was just kind of like, yeah, let's uh, let's just leave Jimmy alone. Not don't have to worry about him. He's not doing anything. And uh, you know, you kind of put it in a position of like, all right, let's stop everyone else. Try to make Jimmy do something. Now it it was very confusing. And I like Thibodeau. Sometimes I don't get like some of the you know the decisions he makes as far as just personnel on the court um but i i thought we had a chance to just take it and i know jalen got hurt that's up in the air you know it's, it's funny that nick's fans are now clamoring for julius randall to come back to when last year he was you know everyone wanted him off the team and didn't understand why they signed that to that deal uh i i think the knicks need to be aggressive be aggressive in this game. I hope that Jalen can play. I haven't heard anything. Aggressive. Have you heard? Be, be aggressive. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Have what? you heard anything about Brunson's availability tonight? I mean, I, again, it's kind of a moot point by the time everyone hears this, but you know, I, 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 I have not suit up. I have not at this point um, to see what's going on. Uh, I, the Knicks need to take this game and bring it back to Miami. One, nothing. And, you know, ankles are weird. You, you don't know if, if Jimmy will, could even play tonight or if he's going to miss the rest of the series you have or you know how what the severity of this issue is right injury Don't brunson know. is brunson is playing he okay. said he will play through the injury if he can and you know great you know i like the toughness and all that but hopefully we get you know the J. well i mean he, we know. he knows i think he realizes just like i just said a second ago it's if he doesn't play the knicks are in a world of trouble because he is literally the guy. He he is what a true point guard is. It runs through him, and he he sets up the offense that he can score on his own when he has to score. The ball moves to him. If he's not on there, the ball doesn't yeah. move like that. That's a good point. And they need they need everyone else to step up too. Because think about it, Sam. Think about it this way: if he's not on there, you're li- essentially getting the Knicks from last year. That ball didn't move like that last year, and yeah, it's still no, essentially the no same roster. There's yeah, no none, none. Yeah. Uh, what they need to do is they need to move Evan Fournier. That's what they need to do. Move his ass on off the team. And I love D Rose, but they need to move D Rose's ass off the team too. Dude, Fournier, we're paying like twenty million dollars, and he's I a know. DMP. Every, I know. You know <laughs> it, it was it was cool to have him when you guys got him, but now that you've I didn't want started him to elevate, I, well, I don't blame you. I don't. I've I never really liked him anyway. He just he just has a punchable face anyway. Um. <laughs> I just he does he does and he just talks hella trash anyway he talks hella trash and I've never seen him do really anything but he was I felt like he was a good piece for you guys when he did come there well, we but now what yes but now what your team has done 
is is it's elevated beyond Evan Fournier. They don't yeah. need Evan Fournier anymore. I don't really know if anybody in the league needs Evan Fournier, uh, but they might need him in Europe to play because uh, his his better years are beyond him. Look, um, RJ RJ got twenty six points. RJ has been he's OB been coming around. 18. He's just really really streaky. I mean, he's also yeah. really really young. Like he's yeah. really really young too. So he's he's growing into his game, his NBA game. And he's got to get that confidence. And I think he's he's shown more confidence this year since Jalen has come uh and having those viable pieces around him that that are moving him and Hart. Uh that that obviously that cohesiveness that they have going back to Villanova, I think is rubbing off on the team. But I I I think Barrett is getting it. Slowly but surely he's he's getting it. He will be um, twenty three next month. That, that, wow. Enough said. Yeah. Enough said. He's a baby. Um Speaking of babies, Uh-oh. did James I Harden next, I baby the Knicks winning? By the way, uh, true, and I have I have the Heat winning. So there we there we okay. are. Uh, speaking of winning, James Harden said, uh, "I'm gonna put the team on my back." Uh, never seen somebody put his team on his back like that, dude. Uh, that's what we saw with James Harden, and he shut up. He, he seems to do this every single time that everybody just, the whole world just hates him. And they're like, you can't do it anymore. He's just like, oh, I, I can't. I got grays in this beard, but guess what? <laughs> Watch me. And he dropped 45 against the Celtics without Joel Embiid. He said, Joel's not here. I got to do it. And I, it's impressive. I'm impressed by him dropping 45 because we obviously know that that was James when he was in his prime. He could drop that damn near anytime he wanted to. But outside of being impressed, I'm more disgusted with the Lake. I mean the the Celtics. Because you had an opportunity to easily start the series off the right way without Joel being there, which should put the Sixers at a severe disadvantage. And you let at home exactly at home, and you allow James Harden to put up forty five. So, a question that has been asked: If you said that years ago, of course he's you know, yes, yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, I agree with you. But but what I think is also crazy in itself is everybody. You know, it was it was the the Bucks who lost to the Heat, which a lot of people are surprised. And I want to talk about Giannis before we get off of. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's too. talk about that too. Yeah. Um, but to the 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 talk of the town was Celtics Bucks, and who could beat the Bucks? Well, we now see it was the Heat. Who could beat the Celtics? It wasn't the Sixers. It's the Celtics beating the Celtics. They continue to beat themselves. They beat themselves in the finals last year. They beat themselves in this first game. If the Celtics don't start playing to their strengths. They deserve everything that is going to come their way. Okay. So the Celtics lost to the Sixers 119-115. Game two is May 3rd, Wednesday, May 3rd, 8 p.m. Eastern, TNT. Game three is in Philly, Friday, May 5th, single to mile, 7:30 Eastern time. With this said, now that they now that the Sixers have taken one game here, and the best that the Celtics are going to be able to do is take a split. Does this put the Celtics at a disadvantage at this point in time? And who do you have winning? I I still want to believe that the Celtics are a better team if Joel Embiid is not playing. Um, it 
he's not playing tomorrow. It sounded like, right? Was he already ruled out? I saw. I I, I can't remember what I saw. I think he was already ruled out. He now might here be you have guy who you know, and I think we'll find out tonight who wins the MVP. You can make the case that he's the MVP. You can make the case that he could have been the MVP last year. And yeah, so to your James Harden point, it's it's almost like like in college, I'd put stuff off until like it's due the next morning and then you'd be up until like two, three in the morning and I'd get so much done because it's like the procrastinator in me. And it's kind of like James Harden. It's like, okay, Joel's not here. I'll do it. As you mentioned, it's just kind of that's what I thought of when you mentioned that, but I like the Celtics. I just wonder, and I don't watch enough Celtics basketball. Surely I've watched some of these playoff games, but just in general, I, I don't watch the team day in and day out like a lot of my friends do. Um, but I just wonder, like, is it coaching? Is it the players on the floor? I mean, we hold Tatum and to a lesser extent Brown to such a high standard because they've played so well together and they've been like the core of this team for so long. And they've both been picks that came from a ridiculous trade and, you know, um, sorry, but, you know, I just wonder, is it coaching? Like how much do they miss email Brad Stevens? I don't know anything about this coach. So, uh, except that he's been on the staff, but I'm just kind of wondering like where some of this deficiency is it's it's almost like the okay joel's not gonna play we don't need to like we'll be fine we'll we'll coast here like i i'm not sure i don't watch enough celtic basketball to know what this team's thinking but the the issue is it's so it's like i always say with any sport it's coaching can only do so much right you can you can only call the right plays at certain times and that was a big part of the end of the game like the the last shot didn't come get come to tatum like why would it not come to tatum like he should have the ball in his hand but that it, it it never comes down to really just one play. We all we always know that. We always say that. It never comes down to one play, even though when that's the last thing you see in lasting memory. But at what point do you as a player or as a team take accountability amongst yourselves? Because the coach is not out there playing the game. Right? The the errant pass that was through that uh, Maxi stole and had a yeah. breakaway free. Like that wasn't the coach. Coach didn't do that. That was the players. So it's like they have these mental lapses and it just it they shoot themselves in the foot too often. They have such a great young team, but they I don't think they realize like their window is closing as they don't capitalize on this because other teams are getting better because they're figuring you out and they're bringing in pieces to combat you. So they're going to make it harder for you. Like after go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, they've been playing together a long time, too. They have. Core of this team. They have. And it's going to come to a point, it's going to come to a head that it's like, well, Tatum's got to get paid, and Jalen Brown's got to get paid. What are you going to do then? Right? Unless somebody takes a cut, going from there, like, if they both get paid, then they're going to lose a lot of the good role players. Which which is a major factor in the, in the next series we're going to talk about. But I, I have... Joel is 50% for the next game. If Joel doesn't come back. Game uh, three, you mean? For game two, he's 50% for. Oh, okay. Um, if he doesn't come back and he's not back by game three, 
unless in the Celtics win game two, I have the Celtics taking the series. It it all hinges on Joel because although James Harden's flash in the pan, which is great to see him drop 45 and say, you know, I can I can still hoop, which we all know he can. He's not going to consistently be able to do that. And I think even with the Celtics mishaps, I think they still can get past if Joel's not there. If Joel's there and he's 75% of himself, the Sixers absolutely can take the series. So it for me, it hinges on his health. So right now, since his health is up in the air, I'm going to go with the Celtics. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. If, if Joel's not playing well or not playing at all, it's, yeah. But again, I could see the Celtics beating themselves. We've seen it. We've, you know, we've seen it a lot. And uh, unfortunately, uh, or for, you know, I'm not a, I don't like Boston team. So fortunately, I guess, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, he Joel Embiid's that that important to the to the seventy sixers to a basketball team, what he does, and you're not gonna, you know, it's it's been cool to see Harden. That game was cool to see Harden drop, you know, forty five and do what he looked like, kind of, you know, a new vintage Harden. But like, you're not gonna get that for four, three more. Not games, at all. You know, not at all. So. Or consistently, you're not going to get that kind of performance. So you, other guys, got to step up there too. I, I have the Celtics winning regardless, regardless. Um, but again, I'm not going to be surprised. No, won't be surprised at all. Uh, what, what is? I, I want to say which has kind of been a surprise. Not really a surprise though. But I mean, I also don't watch the Nuggets like this. But the Nuggets are up 2-0 in the series right now against the Phoenix Suns. And why it's the only reason it's surprising to me because it's again, I don't watch the Nuggets like that, but they have been the best team in the West throughout the whole year. So that's why it's not surprising to me. But it's also not surprising to me is because the Suns gutted their team just to get KD and essentially said, We have arguably the best player in the world on our team. We have one, a, a top 10 player in Devin Booker on our team and we have Chris Paul. We can win with just that. And and DeAndre Ayton. And that has not added up for shit <laughs> at this point in time. It really has not added up. Uh you have Jokic literally backing down everybody including DeAndre Ayton and nobody is being able to stop Jokic. It's just when you watch his game, you can see why he's been up for MVP for the third straight year in a row. Yeah. His game is it's his game is not fancy. He's 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 very fundamental. Reminding me of somebody that was very fundamental that dominated throughout his whole career. That was Tim Duncan. He does the basics. He doesn't do crazy over top. He doesn't have a crossover game. He backs you down. You give him an open shot. He shoots it. He gets into a position. Does what he have to do? He dribble drives. He can dish off. He can do a lot of different things in his game. And he's just he's just not the sexy pick. But he. In basketball terms, he's everything you want in a player in Jokic. Yeah, 39 points, 16 boards, five assists in game two. I mean, <clears throat> and to your point, he's been doing this all year. He's been doing this for three years now. Mm-hmm. And, this, you know, this could be his moment. I, I think the big, aside from him playing in Denver and the team's not really sexy, right? Like people don't really, even with him on the team, people don't get too excited about the no, not at all. And he, you know, they've 
number one seed. They're always in it in the conference, and you know they're kind of an afterthought. And uh, this could just be his moment. I mean, this is a, a big matchup. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of money on this Suns team, and uh, you know we're we're seeing we're seeing just uh, this could be his moment, and that's that's exciting to the the Suns thing. And I've and we've both said like the depth of this team is going to be a problem come playoff time, but we both expect. I think they we have them as our finals out of the West, right? Did you pick them? I know I did. Um, I, I did. Look, you traded your depth. You you traded some shooters. You traded your wings. Mikel Bridges is looks incredible in, in the time that he had in Brooklyn. Cam Johnson as well. Um, but you got Kevin Durant. So, like, you know, it's it's not like it wasn't an even trade in that regard. I mean, uh, to to your point, I think there were those years, especially you think of the heat uh, with LeBron getting those like buyout guys, getting the minimum guys in Cleveland too. the Lakers, uh, you know, past seasons of the Lakers with LeBron on it. It's like, OK, well, we have this powerhouse team because we can only afford to pay two and a half guys and let's fill the rest of it with these, you know, cast off or, or guys that got bought out or whatever. And it's not always a winning. It's not always a winning way to to build a basketball team, but of course you need those stars. So it's just, it's interest. It's interesting. You have a, this team has a lot of money tied up in Chris Paul. Who's who got hurt. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned that. Deandre hamstring injury uh, and the game came up, uh, held it and walked off, but continue. Yeah. So it's, there's a lot of money tied up in this team. And they're just, they're, they've known this since they made those trades. They're going to have to roll with the four or five guys that are in that starting lineup because there's, there's not much else they can do. And you lose a guy like Chris Paul, you know, even though he's not, vintage Chris Paul you you know he still does a lot of important things on the court and it's you know you're you're kind of seeing it too so um yeah I, this could just be a moment for this Nuggets team and a big moment at that and I know the MVP ballots are have been casted already but this could just be the the kind of series or playoff run that everyone's saying that Jokic needs to have to kind of cement his legacy in a way I uh Agreed with what you say that he was asked about the MVP. He essentially said he doesn't care. I think he's just locked in on trying to do this. You, you got Murray back finally healthy. Yeah. Falling out of his mind too. I just don't think watching this series now and, and now with Chris Paul going down, don't think they have enough. KD and, and KD and D book can obviously will you through any game, but just that alone, there's too much fire and power on the nuggets and they are a team. Uh, so I don't think that they, they win with this. So uh, game three is is uh, Friday, single to mile, 10 p.m. Uh, ESPN. Uh, that is in Phoenix. I have the Nuggets taking a series. Who do you have, Sam? Yeah, at this point, I'm going to say the Nuggets as well. <clears throat> but, you know, to the points that we've made for the other matchups, this Nugget, uh, Nuggets team has played together for a long time, and they're getting they're getting minutes and, and big plays out of guys like Aaron Gordon. And, you know, um, it'd be interesting to watch the rest of the series. I'm not going to count this team out, but it's it's similar to what we've kind of 
said about some of these teams that adjust on the fly in the regular season. It's like, okay, well, they just need to get their reps in together. How many times has this Suns lineup that we see playing played together since KD came to town? A handful. So, you know, I think we kind of overlook that when we're analyzing stuff like this because maybe it, maybe it is important. You know, maybe it's more important than we're giving credit um, for it being. But, yeah, it's a, it's a tall order at this point, down 2-0 to, um, to play these Nuggets, for sure. Agreed. NFL draft. Sam, there's a lot that happened in the draft. I know we both had a somewhat busy weekend uh, while the draft was going on. A lot of moves that happened. Uh, a lot of things that I liked. Um, there's some things that you didn't like. Uh, let's just jump into it. Uh, Sam, over, all in all, uh, there's there's been, as after every draft, who had the best draft, who had the worst, so on and so forth, winners, losers. Sam, what did you think after watching the draft and the parts that you were able to consume over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it last, uh, well, I guess, Wednesday's pod. Dave and I talked about it on the bonus pod we did. It kind of felt like for the first time in a while, we didn't know what was going to happen. Like there wasn't a concrete roadmap. Okay, the first couple picks are going to look like this. And it all kind of, I mean, the players were all there. It just kind of shook out. You know, it was, it was interesting. Uh, you know, the Texans didn't, you know, it sounded like they coveted Bryce Young the whole time throughout this process. And they picked second and he was off the board. So they grabbed Stroud and then they give up a ton to move um, from 12 back to three and get, I mean, you're getting a cornerstone player in Will Anderson, but you've potentially given up the number one pick in next year's draft, a draft where, um, you know, there's two quarterbacks in this draft that are for next year that are looked at like these are going to be the dudes. And regardless of how you feel about, you know, uh, you're going to have CJ Stroud and you're going to roll with him, but the, you know, what those picks are worth on the open market to a quarterback needy team. Um, I, I love what Arizona was able to do in that position because they could have taken Paris Johnson uh, from Ohio State at three. They didn't. They they traded that crazy trade with the Texans. They go to 12. They go back to six. They still get Paris Johnson, and they get Houston's number one pick next year. Again, that the Cardinals aren't going to be good. And the Texans probably aren't going to be that good. Although we both love D'Amico Ryan. Yes. Which and I is think they're building that D'Amico was <laughs> influencing to get Will Anderson to get a guy that probably reminded him of himself. You look, know? And we could, yeah, we could all be foolish if, if these two players look foolish, if these two players turn out to be what we think they could be. I just think it's a lot to give up for a team that is so behind and with talent and just, where they need to be. So, you know, again, you got, you got two cornerstone players in this draft. Sometimes having two picks, everyone will always say, you know, winners, they, you know, of course they got two first round picks. They're, they're going to be a winner if they, they get it right. I mean, look at your Eagles, you know, uh, Seahawks had a great draft. I liked it a lot. Two first round picks helped. Then you also get situations where you're the Detroit lions and you kind of, you, yeah, you got 12 and 18 overall, but, you know, you, you could have had a little more efficiency in, in those picks. So, again, five years from now, we could all look silly for even having this conversation. But 
Um, those were some of the moves I, um, I guess, a little negative here, didn't like. I didn't like Bajan Robinson going eight overall to a Falcons team that, again, doesn't, you know, they didn't need back. to rush. Yeah, they didn't need, they had yeah. a great rushing tag already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Algier was, you know, came on late and he, you know, he showed some things. His team's so, I know Arthur Smith, you know, loves to run the ball. Uh, and you've spent a lot of assets on, you know, Kyle Pitts and then Drake London last year and now Robinson. And is Desmond Ritter your guy? I'm not saying you need to take a quarterback there, but I think there are a lot more holes on that Atlanta team uh, that could have been filled um, by not taking a running back. But well, I like that they didn't give up on Ritter like uh, the Titans are giving up on uh, Malik like that. I, I just don't. I don't like this error of giving up on your players that quick and you're getting giving up on Malik already when he came into an offense that was catered to Ryan Tannehill and he was backup for that. Like you, you, you didn't game plan for him like that. You didn't alter it like like the Eagles did for Nick Foles when he came in. Like you didn't do that. And I'm just using that as an example because you saw what happened when Foles came in. They still had the game plan for Wentz and then they had a buy and they came and altered the game plan for Nick Foles and his play style. Malik Willis didn't doesn't had didn't have an opportunity. He was also a rookie. The the team was not there for him. He has to learn everybody. It's his first year doing all that. Like I, it's people are so used to this flash in the pan shit that just annoys me. Like they just see these guys and like oh they get it. Some people just don't get it right away. Some people need time. Geno Smith is a prime example of that. It's yeah, system. You need time to learn these things. They especially and Dame and I had a conversation about this. Is I really feel that a lot of these coaches in college set these players up for for uh, the downfall because they don't have pro-style offenses. So these kids are now behind the eight ball. They have to learn pro offenses when they come in. If you're in a pro-style, you're already coming into league and you're kind of already ahead. So these are the guys that excel a little bit more, unless you're just that damn good and you just continue well, to do what you have to do from there to that i mean t- to your first point yeah it's really hard to be joe burrow justin herbert andrew luck and just come into the league and you know just play quarterback at the level they did when they first showed up um and we've seen the struggles of even peyton manning and troy aikman who have a handful of rings combined and walked into uh i said cooperstown can they walked right in the can, right? Their household legendary name. Yeah. Um, and we saw their struggles in the first couple of years in the league. But to Malik Willis and, and, and to the point of the pro style offense, I agree. If I was a quarterback and my goal was to play in the NFL, I would want to play in an NFL style inspired offense. Yes. Yes. That said, I don't think college football coaches care. No, they don't. They want to win At in that all. moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they they're going to they're going to design an offense and or a defense that works for their personnel and right. how to win football games. But well, dig you know. here, dig deeper into that point. Let's not stay so, here for too long. But think about yeah, it. Yeah. A lot of these college coaches failed where 
and an NFL because they are not able to talk to a room full of men. When you're going to college, you're dealing with a lot of young men that they have to listen to you in order to get to the next level. When you're in the NFL, these guys don't respect people that don't respect them and don't listen to everybody in a room and try to make them better. It's a different dynamic from college to NFL. You're dealing with grown-ass men where you're dealing with kids that you're molding and going up to this point. So they have to listen to you because you essentially you have their whole career in your hand when you're in college. Because what happens, obviously now we have the transfer portal and these kids can be like, you know what? F you, I'm out. I'm <laughs> going somewhere else now, right? Where they didn't have that advantage years ago. But now it's, that's added a little something for these guys. They have the ace in a hole. Um, I will say one last thing on Malik here. He was a third round pick. He came out of a small school. Liberty. He's Liberty. He's not a polished quarterback at all. Correct. But it's not like the Titans and it's not there anymore. But again, and it's only a third round pick, but you know who you drafted to your correct. You're just going to say. So I think it was in the preseason where Malik was in there. He's playing the game that he knows how to play. He was trying to make something happen with the B team. And it was like Vrabel's comments of like, he basically didn't like that. Do you remember that situation? Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was kind of like honing him in a little bit. And you got to have a little bit of grace in that situation. I know Mike Vrabel needs to win football games and he's got an old team that doesn't have Derrick Henry anymore and not much firepower and not a great line anymore. And a really old or getting older Ryan Tannehill who can't quite stay healthy. So he wants to win football games. Mm -hmm. So I understand that. But like this kid doesn't know how to play quarterback yet. No. And it's not Ryan Tannehill's responsibility to teach him how to do that. Mm -hmm. But like this is this is what you drafted. You got to figure it out. Yep. Yep. You didn't you didn't have to get Malik, but you did. So I, I like I like them trading up for Will Levis, who I didn't. I'm not really high on, but I know a lot of teams are. He's got a big arm. Um, you know, hopefully he can, you know, he'll make this Titans team better. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, overall, the yeah, I, yeah, Willis didn't look great in his time as a starter, but that and unfortunately that might be it for him. But we'll um, see. yeah, um, I think the big story. Yeah, the big story is your Eagles, though. I don't know. You want to get to Bijan real quick, but I, I do. Uh, I don't. I don't like Bijan going there. Um, I really was hoping he would come to the Eagles, but I, I mean, my my mini draft board in my head was him, Jalen Carter. <laughs> like, I didn't care. And then I also was like, you know, Nolan's there. I kept hearing about Nolan as well. And I was like, that's great. Um, but I, I want to touch on some other, so on something that you said as well, is with the Texans, I... I feel like they it can pan out. I think it, it it's going to be something that is very well. You pick to what your strengths are because what everybody else says is is uh, it's a reach and you go out and get there. You go and get the guy that you want to get. You go out and get the people that you feel are going to fit your system, right? We don't know what D'Amico's system is going to look like at all because we haven't seen D'Amico as a head coach, right? But if he wants these certain things, if he's getting a guy that reminds of him and he knows that he can coach up, Hearing Will Anderson's story was crazy. Knowing that he has five sisters uh, that were like all like five mothers and hearing how humble this young man was looking inside of his jacket was his grandmother and the story he talked about his grandmother. Like this is a kid that you have that you can build culture around. But then watching his tape, 
he's absolutely phenomenal. So I don't blame them for going back and, and getting it. It's essentially what the Eagles did without having to move. The Eagles only moved up just to get Jalen Carter. They moved up a spot to get Jalen Carter and didn't get rid of much, right? They obviously traded back in to do this. But to go to my Eagles, uh, I, I'm very, 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 very satisfied. I left the weekend after they traded for <laughs> DeAndre Swift. I just said, I don't need to watch anything else that happens in the rest of this draft by getting Jalen Carter, who would have been the number one overall pick. It would have been him or Bryce would have been a number one overall pick if his the vehicular situation didn't happen in Georgia. Right. And there were and teams that need quarterbacks. Correct. A lot of people had him slated as the best player in the first round, the best player in draft, period. Then the Eagles wait. And they, as I mentioned, they wanted Nolan Smith. They had two picks in the first round. <laughs> Team that just went to the Super Bowl. Thank you, Saints. Uh, two picks in the first round. And they get Nolan Smith. Now, as you know, Sam, but our listeners may not, Nolan was hurt this season. But when Nolan plays, he is a spitting image of if Hassan Reddick and Von Miller had a child, <laughs> it would be Nolan Smith. The way that he bends around the edge is Von Miller. The way that he uses his speed is Hassan Reddick. He runs a 4-3 for a guy his size. His comps, he actually, I, I was reading it earlier, he only compared to DK Metcalf with the guy his size and that speed. DK Metcalf, yeah. <laughs> and he's playing as an edge rusher. Then the Eagles said, "You know what, Howie, Howie Tremaine Roseman, uh, because that's what we call him in Philly now. Uh, the guy that I used to absolutely defecate on, which I will never ever do, and I put respect on his name now because the Jalen Rager thing is probably the best thing that's ever happened to the Eagles. Because since that point in time, he's just been wheeling and dealing. Um, getting Nolan Smith was great, but just getting DeAndre Swift, a guy that is from Philly, another Georgia Bulldog, on top of that. Uh, it is the is the Philly Bulldogs, uh, by the way. Now, um, it, it is wild what he did. I've I've been watching what Peter Schrager said that a lot of GMs are absolutely hating the love that Howie's getting. Uh, people throughout the league are hating what the Eagles. Uh, people talking up about them. It's it's very 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 interesting to see what has happened. Um, I'm just I'm very ecstatic, but they need to play. And I need to see what it looks like because it's great knowing what we have, but I need to see what happens. But I'm also very, very impressed with what the Giants did. The Giants absolutely played their cards right. And, and I think they had an, it, the Eagles had an A plus, the Giants had an A. Uh, and that's that's how highly I think of what the Giants did. They just now need to secure Saquon and do what they're supposed to do here. Uh, but outside of that, I, I I think it's easy, even if you're not an Eagles fan, I think it's easy to say that the Eagles won the draft on paper, on paper. So, yeah, that's... that's to the Eagles' point, I feel like where Jalen Carter went is so important. Because the fit there, there's clear question marks about the off-the-field incident, the, his work ethic... A lot of like uh, practice stuff, and you know he's going to he's going to be in a defensive line room with you know studs there, 
And not only that, like his, his whole national championship team's there too. So, you know, I, I think that's really important. Yeah. Continue. It's really important. No, I think it's, I think it's really important, like fit in this regard. Um, because he's a guy that could be out of this league pretty quickly if he was not in the right situation. And I think this is probably the best possible situation um, for him. And Nolan Smith, I mean, I, I wanted the Jets to take him at 15. Uh, I thought they we were. We talked about it after his combine, had a great combine. We, we both liked him in school. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, how he did again, uh, you trade a next year's four, for DeAndre Swift, totally worth it. The guy can stay healthy. He's exactly what you need out of the backfield there. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like this team. Guard from Alabama, he's pretty good. To get, Ring, Ke- yep. yeah, to get Keely Ringo at, you know, in the fourth round, we, Order, I yep. thought he'd be a, you know, a couple years Higher. ago, you thought he'd be a first-round pick, you know, Agreed. a top pick. Um, so, you know, he, he crushed it, certainly. And, and, you know, you're paying your quarterback a fortune. We didn't even really talk about that um but you're doing it you're building the team the right way and uh i i told uh i told dave what you said about howie you're never going to say another bad word about him again i'm not that. so he's going to hold you harry tremaine roseman i won't if i say anything it'll be in the confinements of my home i will not say that anybody else can absolutely hear me it's just howard tremaine roseman you you got it brother you absolutely got it um moving on uh, we have MMA. This weekend is a phenomenal fight. It's Aljamain Sterling, the tri-state boy, went to Cortland. Uh, shout out to him. Is fighting Henry Segudo, who is returning, uh, which is going to be a huge fight. These two absolutely hate each other. When I say hate each other, Sam, I mean hate each other do not like each other at all so this is going to be an absolute bang out uh and um belem uh muhammad will be fighting my boy gilbert burns who just fought <laughs> recently uh and retired a particular person and now he's back fighting uh, a couple weeks later uh essentially a month later uh so ufc 288 this weekend i have no idea. I've gone back and forth with who I think is going to win through the Aljamain and 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 Henry fight. I think it's for me. I, I'm Aljamain has has learned a lot since he's been a champion, and his game, his, his playing. Henry is an is an absolute monster, but he hasn't been fighting, and Aljamain has. So that's the only reason that I'm going to give Aljamain the uh, the edge here. But this is going to be an absolutely extremely close fight. Uh, and I have Gilbert winning his fight as well, too. Will you be watching, Sam? I will be watching. I'm excited. I'm here. I know nothing about these guys. Okay. But I, I, that's uh, fair. I'm excited. I know. I'm just being honest. I'm, I'm getting into the sport more. I've always watched it passively. And, you know, I'll watch it at parties or with friends that like it. And uh, I'm here for it. Good. Good. I'm happy. And I, I, I can't wait. It only um, took 96 episodes, but I bought in, people. Yeah, only 96. Uh, <laughs> do you care? Uh, yes. Giannis DeCupo. That's I definitely care already, too, so we might as well get it out of the way. Uh, after losing, uh, he was questioned uh, by the media. 
and, and if it was a failure. And he could have absolutely said it was a failure. And I'm paraphrasing when I'm saying this. He said, it's not a failure. It's a learning experience. And when he said, absolutely said that, I said, uh, this is why he is one of the faces of the league. And it's so hard to not like a guy like him. He is absolutely somebody that if your kids look just so happen to look up to an athlete, he's somebody you want your kids to look up to because he could have handled that the wrong way. And he kind of went at the reporter, but he went at the reporter. It's like when he goes after somebody, it's like in such respectful ways. It's kind of like, okay, he, he trash talks and respect. And uh, when he said that, I said, you know, this, this guy gets it. I, I see what Kobe saw in him. He saw that he was like, I'm not going to make these excuses. I, I just, I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to get better. It's just a learning experience. So for that, I, I tip my hat to him in, in loss. I don't know how much longer he's going to be with the Bucks, but he doesn't seem like a guy that just gives up anyway and just runs. So, uh, but I do care about this. And Sam, you said you do care as well. Yeah. I mean, I see, I can see both sides of this. I certainly agree with him. I mean, to the, the basic fundamental point of it, I think he said Michael Jordan played 15 years. Mm-hmm. He only has six rings or the other nine a failure. Correct. So let's be honest. If we're looking at it the way sports talking heads, like I guess us now, look at this, this season was a failure for the Milwaukee Bucks. It was. I I commend what Giannis said. I agree with what where he was coming from. And he certainly has some kind of relationship with this reporter because he certainly kept that all year because the same reporter asked him the question last year and you know he just had an embarrassing basically uh lost to the heat there mm-hmm. and uh you know they were supposed to win this whole thing and they lost to a play-in team so you know i i understand so from that yes it's a failure if we look at this series the way that we look at every other series and everything else in sports this team was put together and has already won a championship and was expected to easily take care of this Heat team. But I commend him for saying it. He's unapologetic. He is, he's Giannis. There's one Giannis. I mean, Greek freak, you know, but uh, I, I, I like what he said. The league seems to, you know, be behind him. Um, and I'm glad we're, you know, we can kind of break the mold of you know you win you lose and i I think that's the kind of thing that is so tangible about sports is there's always a winner and there's always a loser um for the most part and especially in in series like this um so yeah you i think you just you know that reporter caught some strays because it was the wrong place at the wrong time from an emotional guy um but you know he's he is certainly one of one, and yet yeah, to to your other point, I don't know if um, how long he's got left in Milwaukee, um, but he is an absolute treasure on and off the field, and um, uh, definitely you know does is, is a good ambassador for the sport. Totally, I would say so. I would say so. Uh, the Kentucky Derby, Sam, is Saturday. Do you care? Um, no, but yes, I, I, uh, it's a best, 
two minutes in sports or something, right? Is that the the tag? I don't know. One horse. I have no idea. That's in this race. Um, good luck to everyone that puts money on horses. I, it's not it's not for me, but I will watch the Kentucky Derby. I will have a mint julep, uh, but I don't have any funny hats, <laughs> so I got to get one of those. Uh, sidebar: My wife went to a wedding at Churchill Downs, and she's and she's not a horse racing fan at all, but she said it was incredible. So, would certainly want to be a situation I'd want to experience as a sports fan, but I I don't have any rooting interest. But I will watch. I don't know what is that. Do I do I care? I don't know. <laughs> that sounds that, like I don't know. Like? Me, that's what it sounds okay. like to me. I mean, I'll watch it, but if it wasn't on, I wouldn't be sad. Yeah, I don't care. Um, I never really cared about it. If I was betting, I'd probably care, but I don't care. So it just really is what it is for me when it comes to horse betting. Uh, whatever. I'm not going to be watching it. I don't. I think the only time I've ever watched it is when uh, they had the, the chance of winning the Triple Crown, and that's the only time I watched it because it's history, and that's it. Outside of that, I could care less. Um, with that being said, Sam, yeah, this is episode 96 of the Chasing Points podcast. Lead us out of here, Sam. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Um, Jimmy Butler will not play for the Heat tonight. Just saw that. Uh, again, moot point. But thank you for listening, however you do, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Please tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Chasing Points Podcast and leave us some reviews. They, they certainly go a long way. Uh, to help our name get out of here, uh, you know, and get out there. And that was great, Sam. I was, was just going to say, Brandon, take us out of here. That, that was great. Uh, no, you finish it up. Read, I can't read my text messages and sports notifications as I'm trying to end a podcast. Well, for Sam, I am Brandon. And again, this is episode 96 of Chasing Points podcast. Listen to us on all the things. <laughs> on all DSPs, major DSPs. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on FX. We're on <laughs> Today's HBO. Music, K104. HBO. We're on K104. We're on all the things. Just go find us and, and tell everybody else. We're about on it. Uh, 8 track. We're on the Mars. We're on the Mars. Shout out to DSP. Yeah, you know. Shout out to my buddy DSP. because you There, there you DSP. go. There you go. All right, guys, we are out of here. But before we go, it's this time of year where I like to consume uh, a few adult beverages. Beer being You've one made of that my clear. Beer. Beer. Maya. Just, just, just hush it, hush your lips. Do do the Helen Keller and and talk with your hips. Uh yeah, yep. You're welcome. I uh, want you guys to send some beer suggestions to Sam and myself, especially if you listen to us outside of New York State, even if you are in New York State, about some breweries uh, that we may or may not know about. Uh, if you want to send us some samples, we are more than willing to drink your beer that you send us on air and give you a shout out. So uh, we're just putting that out there. And by we're, I'm saying me, but I know Sam agrees and he doesn't get time to talk in this, but beer us, please. Thank you very much. We love you guys. And ta-ta. Bye. Light in the DMs. Wow. Bye.